Angelo, and welcome back to the Growing Up Immigrant 2. This is the second half of our second installment of the three-part mini-series that we've been hosting here on My Black is Transnational. My name is Dr. Clay Chibe Lamberts, and if you're listening to this, that means that you just finished part one of this conversation. So we are going to continue on. It was a 90-minute conversation that was going on, and we decided to cut it in half just because we know how the attention span of some of you all are, and I completely understand. I did not want to have you all there for an hour and a half if I could divide your time into two halves so if you are listening to this we're going to get right back into it it is four of us it's um hatu ashley me and leslie as we're talking about growing up immigrant and where we left off at is just talking about the whole idea of disciplining and how family members discipline us or how we were disciplined growing up and you know uh, not just whoopings and beatings or whatever word we define but how did our whole village handle it and we get into that and we get into other things that involve our culture and our transnational backgrounds so without any other further ado let's get right back into the show enjoy all right y'all so like what would y'all consider the best thing that you remember about growing up immigrant? How do you remember? What was the best thing you enjoyed about that upbringing? Food. <laughs> I was just about to say I that. I was just saying food. <laughs> A goosey? Mm. Yes. Food. <laughs> I, I would say that my fondest memories are just like being able to, like the time, even though I, my brothers and I, again, we were all close in age, we fought all the time, right? But we do have a close, actually they're texting me right now. We do have a close bond. And I think us being there together, right? Like the house, I've been in the house right now for a few months and it definitely does not feel the same when they're not here. Mm -hmm. So I think that like being able to live in a situation where we were forced almost to, you know, it it was it was an effort to make sure that we were close as a family, mm-hmm. and it doesn't always pan out that way, um, but it worked, right? Like my parents, we didn't we only had one TV in the house in the living room, and like mm-hmm. we would have to play games with each other, um, and it ended up creating and forging some of those ties, right? So I think that that was one of my biggest aspects that I personally enjoyed about it and even to the point that we we're saying before when we come back for holidays those beatings that we were discussing are some of our most like our most cherished memories for yeah, per se because it was just like like if it's not happening happening to you it's so funny about what's happening to the other person or even sometimes thinking of what you did to deserve it and like how it went down those memories are still etched in my mind and they're just so funny. So we literally will spend Thanksgiving for hours talking about different beatings and my parents just are hysterical because they pro- they don't remember it, but for us, <laughs> they, <laughs> they just etched it out. Yeah. Wow. You know, those are really good bonding experiences. I, I could definitely I could definitely speak to that as well, just even with my some of my cousins and everything. But just that ability to come back and be like, man, yo, like they were tripping. Or you'd be like, well, you know, there's some also some times where you would set someone up, like you probably set your siblings up or set your cousins up where they ended up getting whooped and you didn't. 
and that would and you would just be the one <laughs> to just watch it all go down like yeah no so i mean it, it don't crazy crazy um experiences um but uh i mean what about you i would say that sense of belonging like i feel like mm. i might not appreciate it so much when i was younger because i felt like you know my american friends had all these different other things like they could do they had more access than i did and things like that but then it's like once you grow up i like knowing that if all goes to hell in america i can go to ghana and it's lit out there or mm -hmm. i can go to and i'll be okay you know i like knowing that i have a whole nother culture outside of america that i can lean on on top of that i feel like i have to agree with um mr kanu here um i agree i feel like that sense of being close like right now i'm in my father's house i obviously have my own home i'm i'm fully in my career i'm an adult but i still come here i have six siblings when i come here i have to help them with their homework i'm involved in their lives <laughs> like we have this whole like family feel where everyone is involved in everything that's going on and I like that. I don't feel like I need to wait till Thanksgiving or Christmas to show my presence. Like I, I'm fully in everyone's life and I like that about it. Hmm. Ashley, what about you? Yeah, I definitely can attest to that as well. So I'm actually at my aunt's house. Um, and same thing, I'm very, I'm an only child, but I'm very, very close with my cousins, first cousins and second cousins actually. And having that connection, knowing that, you know, for me, it's, England and Jamaica, but still knowing like, hey, I can go elsewhere in the world and have these connections. I talk with my cousins all the time. And like you mentioned, Anman, it's not just Thanksgiving, Christmas or whatever that, that's happening. We're talking just because we can talk. We're family. We have that connection. Um, and it's, it is interesting to kind of see my American friends and see kind of their dynamics. And it's, it, I appreciate it as well, of course. Um, but then to be able to come back and reflect and see my family and see how we are, it's like, wow, that, that's really, really awesome that we we have this kind of close feeling. And I have a very large family. My mom's out of five. My dad's out of seven. But my mom has 52 first cousins. And she's close with almost all of them. And then I'm close with their kids. So, like, there's hundreds of us, literally, but we're all close. So to, to have that and to have that connection with country even kind of thing. So like, it's really nice. So now I have to interject really quick because I think you're, you're, you're now you're, because the way I do these conversations, I'm not, I don't have a list or anything. I just kind of flow with the way people are talking. And the conversation is kind of going into something that's interesting because cousins and like aunties and uncles, right? And I, you know, so I want to talk about this because I'm going to also lead us to talking about how we find ourselves different compared to, you know, other people who are not growing up in immigrant households. But one of the things that I realized is the dynamic in which we structure ourselves as, you know, immigrants. Um, I feel like there's you no know, like first cousins, second cousins, third cousins. I never understood that terminology until I came to the States as a young and, and I grew up in the States. I didn't understand what third cousin was. I was second cousin. I was like, oh, everybody's your cousin. That your mom's sister. Even like for I think for what I learned in African-American culture, at least, or just any other culture is that your parents you know your parents sibling that's your immediate uncle and their kids are your cousins but then like your parents cousins and their kids are supposed to be your second cousins okay see like i didn't know that that's not something that applies to me right like everybody that's within the same generation of my parents their kids are your cousins period <laughs> right like anything else it was just like they're just a relative or just a friend or something like that i don't know if that, that was how my structure is so like 
when Wanda's, you know, my wife is talking to me about certain things, I'm like, yeah, that's my cousin. She's like, how y'all related? I'm like, that's my mom's cousin's cousin's cousin, <laughs> whatever. And she's just like, no, that's supposed to be like your third, fourth cousin. And I'm like, no, that's my cousin. And she's like, how? It doesn't make sense. Like, and that's your mom's cousin is is not like my mom's cousin is not my cousin. That's my uncle. So like, it's there's a huge difference in how we perceive things. I want to know how you all look at things. Oops, same like that. So. I always say that that way because of, I would say within the last five years, people kept getting confused with me saying, oh yeah, that's my cousin, that's my cousin too. And they're like, wait, what? I'm like, all right, so it's like my second cousin twice removed, whatever. But no, same. I've always known everyone in my mom's generation, aunts and uncles. Mm-hmm. Generation prior to that, great aunts and uncles or yeah. grandparents. Like, I don't care if you're technically my aunt or uncle, yeah. I'm going to call you, you know, whatever term they're going with, whether it's like, I call my grandma Nana. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, grandma so and so, grandpa so and so, whatever. I'm not going to call them aunt or uncle because they're at my grandparents' level. And then, yeah, everyone in our generation, you are my cousin. Period. That's it. And then now my cousin's kids. No, now I'm auntie to yeah, you. Auntie. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I feel like I just feel like it got confusing at some point because you also call like if there's a, a friend of your parent that's older, that's older, that's your uncle, mm-hmm. that's your auntie. So it's like. Okay, so then are your kids my cousins? How are we doing this? You know, it's really, really weird. But I feel like I agree with what Ashley was just saying. Like Kelly, for example, his mom, she's technically my auntie, but my dad calls her auntie. Right. Auntie too, so I got to call her something even higher. So it's grandma now. But it's like, nah, you're high key my mom's cousin. So what are we doing? But that age, you always have to give respect to people based on their age. And that title shows respect. Mm hmm. I'm tired. I just let somebody else say something and I'm going to come afterwards. <laughs> you just going to follow. Hatsu, what about you, man? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a hundred percent. What everybody said is very true. And I think that um, I was actually having this conversation with my aunt, who's actually my aunt, my mom's immediate younger sister, um, that I think that it almost prevents us sometimes from, especially within the States with intermingling, uh, with each other mm-hmm. right because there are a lot of people who i grew up with who are like oh that's your cousin or those that's auntie and it's like no we're not related to those folks like we're just close family friends so at that point when they turn around your uncles or your aunts are like oh what about this person i'm like oh what are you talking about like that's our family it's like you like you made this bed this way right <laughs> so there's just no way that we can unturn it at this point right so i think that that culture of deference is definitely something that's big and like call, calling people like your cousins or auntie and uncle, like, although it is a sign of respect or something like that, sometimes in that kind of sense, like it could be detrimental. Hmm. Can I ask you guys a quick question? Go ahead. Have any of you ever had to do like a cousin check? No. Like what's a cousin check? So probably because I come from a smaller Island it's very common to end up meeting someone who's actually your cousin. I actually have my dad's cousins married to one of my mom's cousins and my aunt that I'm here with now her one of, yes, yeah, so one of our cousins also married one of her husband's cousins. So like I have cousins that are cousins on both sides, but technically it's completely fine because it wasn't like siblings. It was truly cousins kind okay. of thing. But there are so many situations where I've gone somewhere with my father and they're like, what? You look really, really, oh, wait, no, even better. My mom, she worked for what is now Chase um, in Chicago. It used to be 
First National Bank or mm-hmm. Bank One. It changed so many times. Mm-hmm. But she had a couple of friends that also happened to be Jamaican. One was my godmother and one was just a friend. My parents are out at dinner. My dad's talking with him. Come to find out they're cousins. They're first cousins at that. And it happens all the time. So one thing I always joke about, like being on like Jamaican Twitter and stuff like that, we'll jokingly actually do cousin checks and people will find out that they're actually related what? all the time. All the time. To the point, uh, Yana Cello. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's my cousin's cousin. Are you and serious? I didn't know until like two years ago. And I happened to be going through childhood pictures. I have so many pictures with her. Like I, I grew up with her. I'm like, why do I not remember this? So yeah. So I just realized that I've had a cousin that I went to college with. Y'all really? Yeah. Y'all don't even know after all these years? I think she knew. I, I just for some reason did not know. So yeah. And I mean, happens all the time. So if you can even get even close into the conversation of being my cousin, like, that's it. You're a cousin. <laughs> You're in range. You just, so you know we you are just, not friends, and that's it. So now you just rounding up, basically. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you just, you just, if you close, you just round it up and call you a cousin. That's Exactly. Yo, that's amazing. No, that's, that's like, I don't think, I haven't done that. I just wait, like Lamin mentioned, I just wait till my mom, because my mom, be the, I think she tried to be the family historian. She'd be like, and then, okay. you know, we all deal with a situation where your mom is trying to try to clarify who this person is. You remember this person? You're like, this is this person's uncle's auntie, auntie. Yeah, yeah, she said I should say hi to you. And I'm like, okay, well, say, tell her I said hi too. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so you're like, yeah, tell her I agree. Um, you know, but okay, for the sake of time, I want to keep things moving. And I want to know, I think, I mean, you brought, you brought this up a little bit, but how often have y'all been back to your motherland, your home, your homeland, where your parents are from? Have Was it like, what age did you guys get there? And what was that like? Or did you know, did you feel like you already belonged to that country, even though you've never been or you, you've been when you were younger? Like, how was that experience for you as far as connecting with your native homeland? Let me just tell you how Corona is messing up my life right now because I fully intend to go to Ghana every December. And I went last December and I can't go this December because yeah, no. That was your first time in a while, right? Yeah, it was my first time in a while and yeah. I loved it, yeah. you know? I mean, my first time going, I was six. I had to go meet my bio mom and all that good stuff. And then I went again when I was what, like 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. And then I think I went one more time because we were having um, a burial ceremony for my dad's mom. And then it was kind of like, all right, we're done buying you these tickets, live your best life, figure it out. So then I get older and I'm like, you know what? I want to go see what this country is about. So I went last year. I kid you not. It's just nothing like what we think it is. Like I get it. Our parents are like, yeah, we came here to give you a better life and all this good stuff. So obviously we don't know the nitty gritty of it all. Like we didn't grow up the way they did. And we're obviously going to the country with some money in our pockets. So we're not going to struggle and things like that. But it's lit. Like it's fun. There's like people are just, it's peaceful. I'm not looking over my shoulder to figure out if that like white lady across the street feels uncomfortable by me. I'm not worried about where I'm going to get my next meal because there's food literally on the streets. If I throw down the window, I can buy some plantain chips. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about GMO in my food because everything is all natural. I'm not worried about anybody pulling out a gun. I'm not worried about so many different things. I'm at peace. The sun is hitting my skin, right? Everything is just great, Facts. you know? And it's a completely different experience. And on top of that, I'm not in a village either. I'm in a city. I'm in restaurants. I'm going to clubs. I'm going to, um, to, to the mall. I'm going to all these different things that I have access to in America. But I'm doing it in a place where everyone looks exactly the way I do. Mm-hmm. And it's beyond liberating. And I guess what? I can speak my language and other people understand it. Let alone let me speak two of my languages. Let me even speak English. They get that too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a completely different feeling personally. 
You know, that's dope. I definitely agree. Um, anyone else? So my oh, first. Oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I um I went for the first time when I was twenty six. Um, so speaking of that cultural clash, that was the first thing I noticed. I was like, well, one, like I just one, I don't want to speak too much because I'm obviously American <laughs> and I'm not trying to get ripped off. So let my cousins lead everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, I also very much identify as a black feminist, and I'm like, man, patriarchal like very, ideals. Very. I just can't get with them. But yet again, like. I don't want to embarrass my parents by saying too much. Mm. <laughs> so let me not. But I also had some issues with that. Um, but I went for my cousin's wedding and that was a sight to behold. Cause seeing a Nigerian wedding, I've been to a few in Chicago and they were large, but it's, it's small compared to being in Nigeria though. Oh my, god. oh my gosh. My cousin, uh, she was like, yeah, we're having like the smaller like engagement tomorrow. And I was like, oh, how many are coming? She was like 300. I was like, Sis, then how many are coming to like the wedding wedding? And she's like, 1,200. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, Excuse me? Yep. <laughs> so I had a great time when it came to like that stuff. But my parents also were not letting me out of their sight. So I didn't really get to experience like the nightlife and like really get to enjoy time with younger people. My parents were just like, oh, we can't see, you can't go. Mm. <laughs> but I went back uh, the following year for my grandma's funeral, actually. Um, and had a much better experience because I knew what to expect. Mm. The only thing that really kind of tripped me up that time was being so on edge about accidentally offending or disrespecting somebody because you never want to shame your family that way. And maybe I didn't greet someone properly right. or something. And I, I was petrified of that. So let me um, ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, mm-hmm. Leslie, before we move to our two and, and Ashley. Yeah. Like, I always wonder from just pure observation, right? Because like, you know, when you have someone that's coming to Nigeria, or around a lot of Nigerians who have an American accent. And I used to always wonder like, how awkward does the conversation feel when you have, and you know, you have your natural American accent, you're talking to someone with a very thick African accent and you're trying to interact and you know, they're trying to tell you to do something. Like, do you feel like they look at you weird? Because when I'm watching it, when I'm watching someone, you know, who's Americanized quote, quote, or from America, who's trying to reconnect back with Africa and they're talking with someone who has a very thick authentic accent i always feel like this interaction is very awkward and i'm just like i hope they like it feels like they may be one one move from saying something that may be off and then they get offended or so i always want to know what that interaction felt like for you since you weren't i mean you're not necessarily a code switcher like how did it how did it work for you was it just regular oh, gosh. no like they would start speaking to me like this <laughs> like i understand what you're saying i just can't repeat it that same way mm-hmm. but, like my father has a heavy accent, so I can follow. I can follow the pigeon. I just can't speak it. But yeah, a lot of like slowing down and speaking very and looking at me to make sure I comprehended everything they said. It's fine. That's why I feel people who do that to people here who you know speak Spanish or another language that you know that's not English. I'm like, I get it. Oh man! All right, how to what's about? So, the first time I went was in 2000 two three something like that so i was 12 and then last time was actually this past december um you know the experience was the experience was definitely really great because a lot of the things that you hear um you always hear a lot of like negative stories and stuff like that but no like the culture you're very attuned to the culture people speaking um it's very interesting people speaking i did have uh 
more so of a village experience both times mm-hmm. because we were there for purpose mm-hmm. of like things that we had to we had to go do uh, one was like a memorial service for my for my grandfather that passed like 40 years ago and then the other one was my grandmother's 90th um birthday celebration so those were in both in the village and the village experience is definitely very different it's kind of a little more of like what you expect mm-hmm. um <laughs> which you know but yeah it was still in the village everybody speaks Igbo like and it's like everybody speaks Igbo well and it's like realizing oh wow I can actually use Igbo here and my Igbo I can tell over this past like few days has been getting significantly better or like been in more use or practice that it's like more structured mm-hmm. now that I'm I'm here um, I didn't really get a chance I haven't had the chance to like really experience like as much of like the city like nightlife and stuff like that because of just the timing of everything mm-hmm. and then um, similar to Leslie like my parents just would not let us out of their sight because of just fear of what was going on like even yeah. like in the village like because we we're coming in and there was a lot that was going on like we had um i believe this was the case last time too um but this time for sure we had security detail security. The time that, we were, mm-hmm. that we were in the in the village which took that took me for surprise like i didn't even realize that that was going to be happening and it was definitely frustrating uh for sure that you couldn't just navigate around but even having conversations with my parents like they're like yeah we didn't kidnap you that kidnapping like, is real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was a fear, fears of kidnapping mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Because obviously, if you're coming back, people have like a lot of like uh, luggage and stuff like that. And a lot of us are coming back traveling in like caravans. Mm-hmm. So if people notice that, then you know, suspicion starts to creep up. But yeah, I think that it. Um, I renewed my passport. I've, I've had a passport since the first time I went. I renewed my passport when I was back there before with intent of coming back and being able to experience more of like being hanging out more in the city and like Mm -hmm. being more able to move around and experience some of the other uh, aspects. Yeah. That's one thing that I feel like I'm, I haven't gotten to do is experience the country or the city as an adult, you know, every, and, and not being too dependent on parental, or aunties and uncles, but more so like older cousins and older family members who can relate to you and be able to take you places that they know what's up. But, you know, Hatu, I have a question for you because I think this is something that I'm curious about in in addition. So like when you went to the village, like how were you received? Because I mean, for those who are not, who are listening to this, but are not watching this, you're a very light-skinned brother. Um, And your, your skin, or like they'll say your complexion is fair. And yeah, then, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so like, how would, you know, how were you, you know, received, especially when you're speaking Igbo, speaking a language, did they look at you differently? Or did they understand like this, or it was just like nothing, like, or you considered yeah. a white man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's actually very funny to see, like, sometimes the shock on people's faces, right? At first, and you have to, you have to remember that a lot of times the folks, especially in the village, do not see people who are not black mm-hmm. ever at all whatsoever. Not to speak of, they they may not even see many people who are actually speaking English, to be honest. So like, when that when I come in and like you said before, I'm albino, so I have very fair skin. It's a little bit of a shock to them, right? Like, to see that. So at first they're like, 
there's a little bit of like trepidation, like, oh, how do they approach? And then I start speaking Igbo and like undoubtedly my Igbo is better than my brother's mm-hmm. um, by far. And it it like trips them up a little bit. And like it's at first it's like a little bit of a surprise. There are some folks who like like they can't get over it. Mm-hmm. Right. And at each time that we've gone back, I have run into issues where it's like someone asking for money and I don't have money to give you. And then they get upset. One guy last time, that was like when I was younger. I remember one guy, he he threw a container and my dad, my dad does not really lose his temper and he lost it, right? That was one time. Then this past time, we're a little more grown. One guy was like, oh, I want to talk to you. Da, 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 da. I was like, about what? And he was like literally trying to open the car door to like get to me. And then my like we just were at this point the way that it was set up in the caravan it was like the police officer my dad my brothers and i were all in the same car Mm -hmm. so just like that just wasn't gonna happen um so yeah it can get a little dicey but more times than not like it's not really it 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 really doesn't yeah no i only bring that up just because like when i took my wife to the village in 2018 Mm -hmm. i took my yeah, no, no. I took my wife to yeah in 2018, and um, she is probably Ashley's complexion, maybe a little lighter. And like, it was one of those where like my I think my uncle was talking to one of his kids, and he was like, "Do you see the white lady?" And I was like, and Wanda, Wanda, Wanda being a a, a black feminist, was like, yeah. "What the?" F-? <laughs> like in her mind, she was like, "What the?" F-? It's like I am the blackest of black, you know. She getting ready to show her, get get ready to you know preach her preaching. But um, yeah, she was just. I'm just like, they don't. It's race is a is a it's a construct. <laughs> Remember, it's a social construct to them. They don't see it like that. Anything that is associated with Westernization is considered whiteness, and whiteness is appropriateness. So you speak properly, so they consider. So I had to like break it down to her. So she's like, okay. Because I refuse to be called a white woman, you know, like that. I was just like, wow. So I was just curious about how you were received in that regard. Oh yeah, I mean, they would definitely call. They would definitely call me a white man for sure. And they like, ta-da! I understand Igbo, and they a lot of times would not know that before I say anything. So as you're speaking, I hear everything that's being said. And if I want to, like, you know, pop in, then I'll. I'll jump in the conversation. <laughs> I'm speaking Igbo. It's like, hey, what's up? Like, yeah, and no, I, I hear you. And the shock on faces is just something to oh, look for. But, God, no, that's yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely feel that. But like, you're right, I, and especially being aware that you know this is a company, a country that was under like colonial rule, like British colonial rule. Like, you just realize that something's just going to be different. As yeah. well. Now, Ashley, what about you? Going back home. So I guess I had a different experience from all you guys. I started going from six months old. Um, I went every single summer until I was 18. I would spend between two weeks and a month there at a time. Um, for me, the kind of dichotomy, I guess, was my dad's a city boy and my mom's a country girl. Mm. So if I'm with my dad's side of the family, I'm pretty much in the city or the suburbs. <sighs> going to my mom's side. My grandfather owns a farm that sits on 300 acres. Oh. N- nothing was happening. It was just me and grandpa. (laughs) So there wasn't as much interaction as I wish I would have gotten with, like I was mentioning earlier, people who really speak a true patois. Mm -hmm. That would have been my chance to hear it, but rarely did I get the chance to really go out and interact with people. It was mostly, you know, my grandfather's working. So it's like, I'm not working. He's like, no, no, stay at the house and, you know, do whatever. But being with my father, 
actually travel a lot with my dad. Um, he he takes me all over. So um, you have your commercial beaches that you everyone kind of knows about in Jamaica, but then I'm not even, well, no, I'll say it. Hellshar is pretty much like everyone in Kingston's favorite beach because it's it's not a really a beautiful beach. You go for the food. Okay. My dad knows like some of the fishermen. We're getting fresh food right there. We're telling them exactly what we want from their catch. They're cooking it right in front of us. You know, take a nap while they're cooking, wake up, eat, enjoy being at the beach. Um, but being able to just kind of drive around the city, that is just second nature to me. Like knowing that like I can go to the mall. Ooh, I already know that, you know, around this roundabout here. There's usually a guy, you know, with a peanut stand, so I can get some, you know, fresh roasted peanuts and stuff like that. Um, just little things like that are kind of what I got used to. Um, I think the biggest thing for me that I got to enjoy, though, in terms of, I guess, younger culture, mm-hmm. my dad insisted that he took me to Carnival, um, which, you know, pinnacle West Indian experience. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, like, okay, like, well, backstory, my dad was a DJ, so... I, I have always known he's been fun. He takes me to um, Carabana every single year. So I never thought it was going to be boring or anything like that with him. But he outpartied me. I'm just going to leave it at that. I, he, he embarrassed me. Like, he outdrank me. He outdanced me. He, like, we got to a spot at, like, 7 p.m. We got home at, like, 8 a.m. He God. left me, passed out. I, I couldn't hang. I was asleep. He went to brunch, partied again, took a nap, and went right back at it. So. What? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not, I'm very American. I'm not that Jamaican. I'm going <laughs> to so exit this way, right? Okay. I'm going to go this way, <laughs> so, find a pillow so, and lay down. Wow. Yeah. So I kind of was able to enjoy kind of both just the kind of familial experience, but also go out and actually hang out um, only with a couple of my cousins um, and then my dad. Most of my cousins, I would say now are stateside. So I don't really get to enjoy that with them but the few that are there yeah I, i've i've fortunately had the chance to do so and it's it's an amazing time i highly suggest if anyone gets to go to any type of carnival please go <laughs> uh, that's the plan i mean I, I i know there's one that happens in toronto so like, toronto's huge yeah. yeah that's the one i'm looking forward to since i'm right pretty much right there i'm a couple hours away from um, by buffalo oh yeah that's so, right yeah, i'm and right there hold on it is a family like Regardless of what people yeah, say, it truly look. is a family yeah. thing. So my family I, I took, oh yeah, I took my son when he was ten months old, and he, oh my gosh, he had a blast. He, he literally danced till he fell asleep. So, <laughs> have you taken your son to Jamaica yet? Actually, yes. Um, it was unfortunately for my grandfather's funeral, oh. but his reaction to getting off the plane and coming into the airport was just so priceless, and I'm so sad I didn't get to capture it because he's ten months old, you know, a little baby, having a stroller, and his reaction just like. Oh, I'm home. And my dad and I just looked at him like, wow, like this kid knows where he's at. We don't know how, but he was just, you know, that just sense of comfort and belonging was all over his face. It was so cute. It was awesome. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Man. That's, that's what's up. Namin, do you want to add, you want to add one more thing about your experience going back home or you covered it when you said what you said earlier? Well, I actually had a question because I was listening to what I was saying. I feel like sometimes being immigrant, and living in this country, we kind of have like almost a comparable contrast with like those half people, like people that are half white and half black sometimes, as far as like not necessarily knowing where you fit in sometimes. Mm-hmm. I would argue, so like last year, you know, when I went out there, I did that service project where I brought all those computers to the schools mm-hmm, and things mm-hmm. like that. I remember like giving my speech and I'm, I'm feeling good, you know, because all my life I've been speaking God, I've been speaking tree. So I'm like, I got the language down packed. I'm going to do this. 
So I go, I grab the mic and I'm just going off giving my speech and they're like, yo, slow down, relax, chill. Whoa, whoa, what are you saying, huh? And I'm like, hold on, my, my dad and my family, everyone understands when I speak, why are y'all not understanding? Like, yeah, you're slanging. It's Americanized. You're this and you're that. And I'm like, <laughs> really quick. Like, mm -hmm. has anyone else had that experience or am I just not that good in my languages like I thought I was? No, nah, I mean, I think I've had something similar, not necessarily with the, the actual language, but even with pigeon, like just pigeon, Nigerian pigeon. Like, so the thing about, the thing about it with our languages is that you need to have someone that you can talk with to continue to practice so that you're, you know, you're, you're keeping up with things. And just like anything else, language is evolving, new phrases, everybody. Nigeria is, I think it was cool. And there was a phase when we were going through Doro Doro. Everything is Doro Doro. And everything now, everything is like, so like pidgin is one of those evolving languages that goes with the culture and, and pop culture in particular. So like, I remember going home and I remember talking to my family in the village and I was using like pidgin. But they were like, no, 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 like, like Kelly, like, just, just speak your, speak your American English, please. Like, I was just like, what? Oh my, you go fit talk to me like this, like, you know, like that, they do the fit. I was just sitting there, like, like I've been practicing, bro. You feel me? And they were like, no, 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 Kelly, Kelly, just, just, just speak your, uh, your phonet, just speak your phonet properly. Don't worry about those things. Don't worry about that pigeon thing. I was like, so like for me that was humbling because I thought I was hitting it. You know what I mean? But. There's this authentication that happens, um, <laughs> that happens in our culture when it comes to the language, that there's some certain phrases, certain things that are considered slang, and over there it's not. So I have that experience personally. I can definitely attest to that. I don't know about the rest of y'all, though. Can y'all, do y'all have that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that I, I mean, my parents were not, my, my mom said that when she was growing up, they weren't allowed to speak pigeon um, in the house. Um, cause you know, seen the slang and it wasn't proper. And, was improper. Mm. and similar to what some of you have said, she always, every time I try and correct her about something, um, she's like, you guys speak American slang. I speak the queen's English. So it's, um, you know, we just, I never learned pigeon. I've heard people speaking it. And sometimes I can, I, sometimes I've been able to pick up on things and depending on the situation, you know, I can. I can chime in and speak, but it's not something that I can really um, speak that well. Igbo, um, like everything else, there are levels to it, right? Mm -hmm. So I speak, uh, but I'm nowhere near like as fluent as speaking as my mom, right? And my dad isn't even as great of a speaker as my mom. My dad, they both speak like great Igbo. However, my mom is very idiomatically sound and like she yes. will take it she takes it to another level like even like one of my cousins was like your mom's Igbo is like rich top -notch. Igbo yeah, <laughs> it's, like, yeah it's like it's top notch Igbo. yeah like she will she even like and it's funny now she like will mess with me and she'll she'll say things that I just have no clue of like what she's saying like it's just not in the common vernacular and my dad may not even really completely know what she's getting at either but yeah i think that like that in, in those kind of situations i'm never like oh yeah i got this i'm gonna be able to speak circles around anybody so i usually will choose my words a little more carefully and take time because i know that it's like it's good but it's not it's not like gold standard mm -hmm. and leslie what about you Nope, I, I don't speak either. I don't speak Igbo or Yoruba, so I just get uh, picked on for my American accent. <laughs> have you ever been? Have you ever felt like you've been shamed for not like having the language thing figured out? Like not until I 
arrived in Nigeria, not even shamed, but just feeling like it'll be really convenient right now to speak Yoruba. Right, Because right. <laughs> I didn't know that my dad spoke it fluently until we went there. Like, oh. I knew he could speak it, but I didn't know he was absolutely fluent until we were in, in Nigeria and he was just like rattling off things in Yoruba. And I was like, so the whole time. Yeah. These whole, all these years, you just chose not to teach me something that could be very valuable right now. So that's where I felt that. But yeah, I, I've never actually like, tried yeah you know, duolingo is a thing maybe i will know and like my dad you know my parents both my parents actually i didn't realize how multi how multilingual they were like my mm-hmm. mom and i mean you know my mom speaks like all types of languages she speaks gan she speaks yoruba she speaks tree she speaks hausa she speaks and i'm just like wait a minute like how do you know all these how do you even have time for all these languages and then like and then like my dad will he speaks really good Igbo as well but then when one day, you know, and maybe because he serves in the Navy, that might be the reason, but um, he's, his Yoruba is off the chain too. And I'm just like, let me get one, you know, like just one that was passed down to me. Now I'm sitting here struggling, trying to get my kids on, on, you know, on point, trying to get my kids to learn the language. I'm looking for workbooks and stuff when y'all could have been the one that made this easier for me, you know, but um, yeah, the language thing, I think the older we get, I think there's a there's a want to want to learn it so you can be able to have it, you know, because I know we all have this um, this uh, these experiences shape who we are and our identity. And, and that leads me to ask you all this question as to what do you think your upbringing has done for you to shape who you are as an adult now? Like, how has it shaped you? And you can provide some examples if you want to. I think my work ethic is different. Mm. Um I think I'm a really strong work ethic and it just comes from a household where like you didn't have any other options. Like, what do you mean you're going to watch TV before your homework is done and correct? You don't have homework. Oh, I'm going to give you some. Right. (laughs) So I was used to this idea of just like constantly working towards the next thing and like failure is not an option. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we can talk about your feelings never (laughs) or maybe (laughs) much, much later, but you know, what's first things first, which is school. Why? Can't stop going to school, apparently. And you too, Dr. Lambert. <laughs> Me. I ain't have nothing um, else to do if I ain't go to school. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I wasn't coming home and stay at home and do what? <laughs> I was going to school. <laughs> school was safe. <laughs> like... Exactly. <laughs> so I think that's really like the main thing. And also just like the bonds you have with people, other people who have grown up immigrants. It's like, mm. I feel like I'm not Greek, but I imagine it's kind of like, crossing <laughs> a fraternity and sorority just like this innate bond with people that you meet like oh i know i know why you said that because like, you grew up like i did i mm-hmm. get it there's a mad connection there anyone else want to chime in on that i think besides the work ethic and then yes the connections with everyone i think a lot of well because of how my family is the diversity comes back again so i kind of have this kind of worldly outlook from being connected to so many cousins who literally are living around the world. Mm. Um, I think, I don't know, well, cause you follow me on social media. I'm very politically active mm-hmm. <laughs> and outspoken with that. And um, I think that gave me a lot of drive to be more accepting of a lot of different people, even compared to my family members, which I think is funny because I was actually just talking with one after the election and Jamaica is a very heavily Christian country and they're still fairly homophobic, whether they want to admit that or not. Mm. So to kind of have this diverse family and then be in America and kind of have these kind of come together, 
it almost, I feel like forced me to be more open to everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think that really plays a huge role in just like how I go about life. I'm trying to do the best I can to be, you know, fair to everyone in every aspect kind of thing and just open to everyone kind of thing. Like, you know, no, we don't look alike. No, we may not agree on heck anything, but you're a human, you know, you mm-hmm. deserve to be a human. And I kind of push for that a lot. And I think it really did come from having this diverse family. It's also with music, right? Like that also plays a major oh my role gosh, too, yeah. Yeah, with diversity <laughs> in music. Um, and uh, man, what about you? I would say my independence and my tough skin. Like I would say the independence portion, just because I am the oldest and there's always been this sense of, like you said, you know, you set the standard for what everyone else after you is going to do. So I've never really seen myself to be someone that I get into a tough situation. I'm going back to go ask my dad to help me. Like there is no come back home and ask me for help, you know, mm-hmm. figure it out. So I've got that. And then the tough skin, I feel like you grow up with the people you love telling you how stupid you are every time you mess up and telling you that you're doing nonsense and all this other stuff. At yeah. some point, you're just like, all right, there's going to be mistakes. But at the end of it, there's love. There's going to be a moment where it all comes together and it fixes itself. So when life throws something difficult at you, just ride through it. And at the end of that, something good is going to pop up out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't think Af- I don't think immigrants know what depression is. You know, that's that speaks to a larger issue in which I actually am conducting research on as far as the mental, the mental um, health aspect or the lack of mental health awareness that exists for not just immigrant parents, but their kids who are in college. Because there's a whole there's a gap. But that's another situation for another time. But you bring it up. You bring it up a really um, interesting point. And how to what about you, bro? So I think that for me, um, the biggest aspect, I think is just foundational values, right? Um, this upbringing, I think the my outlook on life, on how I engage and interact with other people, and just like how I approach different opportunities as well, has definitely been shaped by the like core values and core tenements that that have been established in you know the family and home that I was raised in. So I think that it it definitely um, plays a huge aspect in just not just who I am, but like how I operate overall. And I see I see points of it um, every single day in different things I do. Um, and it interestingly also I can see how different it is when I interact with other people, right? Whether they make comments about it or whether I notice different ways that I approach things from other people as well you know one of the things that stands out i think was mentioned already is that tough skin thing i think that's that i can relate to that because i always told anyone specifically i tell you know my 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 wife or any of my friends um who are not immigrant or didn't grow up in an immigrant household is that there's nothing you can say to me that my mother hasn't already told me right like so like there's nothing you can insult me with that like, I'm like, yo, that's a deep new type of insult that just opened up a new box of emotions that I've never felt before. Like, nah, I've already felt that. And like, so it's like, you call me stupid. Okay. <laughs> you too. <laughs> like call me dumb. Okay. Back to sender. Right. Like it's one of those things, right? Like, and you know, and it's interesting because I have to explain the dynamic because like growing up, like I'm so tempted at times and I have to shape because again, I grow, I'm, I'm married to someone who did not grow up like me. So sometimes like when we eat with our kids, I'm just like, when my, when my kid does something dumb, I want to be like, you're very stupid. Do you know how silly, like you must be, you're not normal. 
You like, are you normal? Answer me. Are you normal? Like, that's what my spirit is telling me to ask her. But like, I say that. And then like, when I say that, if I said that out loud, like I would have a conversation with my wife and my wife would be like, that is, that's just wrong, babe. Like, you're not supposed to do something like that. Like, do you know what that can do to her mentality and her confidence? Like you would, that would crush her. Like, that's not like, and I'm just like, babe, like you don't understand. Like, this is tough love. Like it's my actions show differently. Like I'm encouraging her, but the insult, like, I'm like, you need to know how to take insults because if you don't take it from the people who love you most, when someone goes and sees you outside and insults you differently, you're going to actually, that mental breakdown, that sensitivity will really hit you harder if it's not from the people who love you and is taking care of you, feeding you, clothing you. And that's a dynamic that I'm still trying to like work through. And I think my wife is understanding now, especially now that she's been to Africa, she's seen other people insult other people. She's watching Nollywood. She starts to see all these things, but that's a dynamic even in my own personal household that is like, for me, I'm like, I'm ready to insult you. Like, because we as Africans, we know how to insult. We're equipped naturally. It's in our blood. We know how to insult each other. But <laughs> and we also know how to take it, you know. But that leads me to my final question for us as we wrap up, because we're definitely, you know, really close to the time, is what are some things that you experienced growing up that you may want to pass down and some things you may not want to pass down to your kids if you choose to have kids? And if you don't want to have, if you don't choose to have kids and like your younger nephew, nieces or younger kids that admire you or whatever, but what are some things that you grew up, I'll repeat it. What are some things that you grew up with that um, you, some values or behaviors or whatever that you would want to pass down or some things you don't want to pass down to your kids? Honestly, I know off right off the bat that I don't want to have this lack of speaking of emotions. Mm. So like we all have them and it's, it's definitely different than an American way of like, you know, toughen up. It's like, it's just not even spoken about. It's not even, Hey, toughen up. It's like, did you, did you say something? What was that? You know, this doesn't exist. And I, I, I'm recognizing it a lot now. (laughs) It's been quite a fun journey, you know, putting into words, you know, I've always felt it, of course, but to actually put into words, like, I don't want that for my son. I want to be able to say, Hey, like, you're really upset right now. Like, why are we upset? Let's talk through this. Let's calm down. Um, You know, things like that. I definitely want to nip that in the bud. Um, As far as the more positive things passed down, my son is fortunate enough to eat Jamaican food every week. Um, We, I listen to my family may shoot me. I listen to more soca than I do reggae, which is Trinidadian. Um, so you, sure you, but, you want me to edit that out? You can, please. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, he gets a lot of different cultural music coming in. And I, you know, I love that he gets that. Um, he still gets to, well, outside of the pandemic, he gets to interact with a lot of family and have many, many cousins. So I appreciate the the familial aspect that he still gets and I definitely encourage. Yeah. All right. And I mean, what about you? So I would say that I had a very progressive father. Like, you know, my dad, um, he had me really young. He was like 23 and then he came to this country. He was like 25. So I think he was more so really open to learning more about American culture and things like that. So it's something that I would keep going is the fact that we do have this open dialect between us. Like, I don't think there's anything growing up that I couldn't go to my dad and talk about. So that's something that I would continue to do. His whole thing was always, I'd rather you come and ask me than to ask friends and have the blind meeting the blind. Hmm. Um, that I wouldn't if pass on is the whole idea of beatings. 
like while I understand the purpose, I just feel like I got beat for things at least 11 times and I still did them. So, <laughs> you, did. you really did. <laughs> and I do it again tomorrow or next week. And I'd be like, let's do this again. You know, but I feel like there were certain things that I do where my dad would sit me down and we'd have like a long cadence or a long conversation about it. And he'd really explain to me like the implications of those actions and where they can lead me. And I'd be like, okay, I might not actually do this again. And we'd move on. You know, I feel like there's, there's just value in just having a conversation sometimes. Like I get it. I'm hardheaded. I was a very stubborn kid. I'm still a stubborn adult. You know, I get it. There's some times where you're just frustrated and you're like, come here. But I just personally feel like I could have done without the beating. So therefore my children will exist without them. There you go. Hatu, what about you? I think that one of the things that I, I would definitely pass on for sure, and I actually try and impact on people right now, just like a can-do attitude. Mm. Um, my parents, like that whole, we always joke around, like uh, if you get a 97, they'll ask you, what, what, what happened to the other three points? Like mm-hmm. that, yes, in its own right can be a problem, but um, just the core of it is an, a belief that you can just achieve, right? And like, to take opportunity by the horns and just go get it. Mm -hmm. So I think that that kind of drive and that attitude is something that I would definitely want to pass on. Um, As for things that I would not want to pass on, I think that um, the sense of um, just like the sense of like restraints for kids at a certain age, Mm -hmm. right. Or like limits of, um, just interaction or engagement, I think is something that I would probably want to um, reevaluate for sure. Because while I understand the uh, root cause, you know, a lot of times immigrants, especially coming to the country, like you're doing things um, and kind of being careful out of fear of like deportation or something like that, if the things go astray, I think that sometimes you impact that on kids who are first gen and who were born here and who don't necessarily feel that same fear, right? So it can feel like unnecessary uh, restraint, especially when you're in your ad- adolescent years. So I would probably not want to have to have the whole interrogation slash campaign if like your kid wants to like go hang out or stuff like that and like encourage them to be social and to, you know, like date at a certain age and stuff like that so that they are you know, those experiences aren't like all big surprises as they grow older. And Leslie, what about you? I think things that I would want to pass down would be like that, that drive that Hatu mentioned, as well as like structure, right? Like, cause I was joking about, um, you know, come home to your homework first, but you watch TV. But I think that actually was part of why I excelled academically was because of that structure. Um, and like the idea of family values as well, like, families, everything to a lot of people. I think that's really important. Um, and one thing I wouldn't want to pass down, though, is this idea that, you know, there are only buckets that, this limiting idea, the kind of how to mention, but in terms of professional careers as well, you know, the, the joke is always what you're allowed to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, <laughs> accountant, or whatever. And I feel like there's so many other, like opportunities, especially now with the internet, you can do anything. And I wish that parents, Nigerian parents were accepting of those things earlier on so that you can build from a younger age rather than trying to force you 
into a box because of the end of the day you just kind of like waste time you could have really been building a better career or life happier life for yourself mm-hmm. yeah and i'll just kind of wrap it up by just saying that i agree and i think for me it's these are things that i'm still processing now as far as um you know when it comes down to things i want to share i think a lot of things are the, the cultural pride I want to share the the can do attitude, the, the 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 perseverance and persistence that I think our culture or upbringings through in immigrant households and other households too. There's no shade on any of them, but just our the specific way in which we we learn these values, I think um, is something that I continue to want to pass on to my kid. I want to pass on to my daughter. I want to pass on to Jadena. Um, as far as just understanding that one. You know, when someone says anything to you, they're just words like, oh, you, you they have some, some, some weight to it, but you have to learn how to move on the next day. Just because someone, someone says something to you doesn't mean that love is not real. Like the love is not there. You can be able to see that the love is through the action and it may not be always the things that are in front of you, like and affectionate all the time, but the love is still there. And the fact that you have clothes, you have food, anything you, all you want, you, you get for the most part, you just, your part is to get good grades, right? Like that is, I've learned that that's the return. Like we're not asking you to work. We're not asking you to do anything. We're only asking you to get good grades. And then you return is what we, you know, we give you whatever. But um, the the thing that I, I'm learning that I want to not pass on is what was mentioned by you, Ashley, which is that I want to be able to have more conversation with my kids. And I think that you know, there's some things in which the strictness and in the way we at least implement our strict values, or at least my upbringing, that it led for you not to be able to have real conversations with your kids early. Right. And don't get me wrong. Like, I'm still one of those believers that oh, I'm not your friend. Right. Like, so, like, don't try me. I'm not your friend, you know, but I also want to know who my kids really are. And as I grew up, I realized that at some point, your parents don't find out who you really are until when they're already old and when you're already old. And it's like, well, I never knew that about you. It's like, yeah, it's because I was sneaking around going outside with my friends. And, you know, like, <laughs> and I don't necessarily want, you know, I, I don't want that. Like, I want my daughter. So, like, in addition to me being that strict dad, which I am, I'm very stern, but I also allow my daughter to have a conversation with me after the fact where I have a conversation with her and I explain to her certain things I explain to her yeah she's the oldest there are certain things that you need to model yourself after for your brother there these are, this is why I need this from you like because your mother and I are getting old and the older we get the more tired we're going to be and like the more tired you are an extension of us as a daughter to your brother you're nine years older than him you are the second parent at some point and this is what your responsibility is going to be right like so I'm learning to have more conversations and not get into this full authoritarian mode where I'm just like, what I say is law. And like, because especially for my daughter being a young black woman, I don't want her to automatically just think that she does not have that power to be able to understand that she can voice her thoughts and opinion as well. She has to be empowered to know that she can express herself. And it's how you express yourself that really matters. Don't just come and talk to me like I'm your mate. I'll slap you. But like at the end of the day, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I want you to express yourself and understand because what happens is just that I want to know who my kids really are. I want to be able to see them. When someone says something about my kids, I want to be able to know, like, that's my child. Yeah, she's capable of that, good and bad, right? Like, all the parents te- technically will always want to hear is the good things. Like, hey, that's my daughter. Straight A's, yeah, that's my child. I can uh-huh, I can attest to that one. But when is the other thing? They're not too sure. They'll deny it, of course, but then they'll ask you in closing, like, 
did you really do that? I can't believe my daughter would do such a thing. Like, you you know, and I want to be able to say, yeah, for better or worse, like Namin, if Namin was my kid, she's hard-headed, she's stubborn, she probably did that shit. Like, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, I wanted, she probably did that, you know? And that's what I think my mom, as, as she's getting older and we have conversations, like, she didn't, she didn't really get to know that because it was like, once I said this, that was it. There was not really much time for conversation. She didn't really know how to get communicative like it took a long time for my mom to be able to vocally openly say i love you and it didn't have to be because i got good grades like we just got to the point where we can actually openly just say i love you mom and when we, when we get off the phone i'm just like look mom you're not gonna be here forever so i want you to know <laughs> like this is how i feel you know that wasn't something that was common growing up so that's something that i'm trying to be more better as as a father and i think everything else that you all mentioned is you know seconded by me as far as what i want to continue passing on to my children but y'all i mean this was dope i want to thank you all for taking the time and just let's just we just commiserated for a good <laughs> hour plus but but um this was fun and and before we wrap up is there a way that people can follow you on instagram or any social media how people can interact with you um uh if they are immigrants and and relate to anything you said and want to keep the conversation going please drop your tag okay i can go um yeah, thank you so much for having me on this. This was definitely a lot of fun. And it's not always, um, you know, it's not always at, at a time where we get the opportunity where we can just interact and engage with others who have like these kind of shared experiences to talk about it. Anybody wants to find me on social media, um, my social media is just Hatsukanu, H-A-T-U-K-A-N-U. That's my Instagram and also my Twitter. Just got back on the Twitter waves, so you know, brace yourself for that if you if you're so pleased. God but yeah, you. Um, thank you so much, and I've enjoyed this. Thanks for having me back again. I had a great time as usual. Yes. Um, I can be found on Instagram at at Hip Hop Headmistress, um, and yeah, that's where I'm most active. So follow me there. Yeah, I can't do Twitter, so you don't catch me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I love Twitter, but it's so dangerous. It's just a time suck. It's a, if you follow the right people, it's a dark, you can be on there for it's days. a dark wasteland, man. Twitter is dark, <laughs> man. Um, but yeah, Ashley, go ahead. So yeah, appreciate you having me on here. Um, main way to get in contact with me is definitely Instagram. It's A as an Apple, E as an Edward, underscore S O P. Um, I'm, I'm technically on Twitter, but yeah, no, that's, that's not a safe space. Um, <laughs> um, and the men, what about you? Again, thank you. Um, my Instagram is divinity 14, so Right, and you can catch me at Black Transnational underscore. Again, this has been my Black is Transnational, growing up immigrant, second edition with our second group. Thank you all for listening, and I wish you all a great rest of your weekday, wherever you are, whenever you are. Peace and blessings.